in the year 98 CE, Caesar Nerva Traianus, or Trajan as we know him now, became emperor of Rome. Under his command, the empire grew to its greatest extent, its borders pushed further into the far frontiers than ever before. For this, and for his famously fair-minded and courageous character, he was remembered by Romans as Optimus Princeps, the best leader the empire had had, rivaling even the memory of Augustus. Trajan was a born soldier, whose military victories were won through strategy, grit, and brutal tenacity. One set of campaigns was famous above all for the sheer ferocity of the battles and the feats of bravery on both sides. The wars against the Dacians of Eastern Europe, led by a warrior king whose name was Decebalus. As the legacy of Trajan's Roman conquest, the former Dacian kingdom stands today as the nation of Romania. Although much of the Dacian past is lost to time, rubble, and looting, the stories of the great Dacian wars are forever etched into the skyline of Rome. Trajan's triumphal column still stands in the grand new forum he built in Rome, depicting the occupation of Dacian lands by Roman soldiers. Trajan's wars against the Dacians began not long after he ascended the imperial throne. He resented the annual sum of money Rome had been contracted to pay the Dacians, agreed to by the emperor Domitian after his own war with Decebalus had ended in a stalemate. And it hadn't escaped Trajan's notice that, under Decebalus's ambitious kingship, Dacia's power and pride were on the rise and new aggression against Rome's neighboring domains demanded a response from the empire's legions. King Decebalus was a seasoned and shrewd leader, well-versed in Roman tactics from his last war against Domitian. His court in the mountain stronghold of Sarmidzigatusa had become a center of resistance against Roman rule and a host of hardened soldiers stood ready at his command. But for all his experience and power, when news came of Trajan's advance, Decebalus was afraid, and not without good cause. The Roman army, with Trajan at the head, was approaching Tapai, the fortified town protecting Decebalus's capital. Allied tribes knew of the emperor's advance, but recognized the danger posed by the revived Dacian kingdom. And so Trajan received a secret message from these allies, inscribed in Latin on a large mushroom delivered to the emperor. Despite the advice to turn back from his march and keep peace, Trajan forged ahead and soon fought a major battle that ended with victory against the Dacians, but cost the lives of many on his own side. When they ran out of bandages to treat the wounded, it's said that the emperor gave up his own clothing to be cut into strips to serve as more. In honor of the soldiers Rome had lost, Trajan ordered an altar to be erected and funeral rites 
to be performed each year. Attempting to avoid open war against the empire, Decebalus had sent his noblest envoys to the Romans even before this defeat, who threw down their arms and cast themselves upon the ground as they asked Trajan for a personal meeting between him and their king. Refusing a meeting with Decebalus, but agreeing to send agents to discuss terms for a truce, the emperor sent two trusted officers to the Dacian court for negotiations. But the effort came to nothing when Decebalus denied a meeting with the envoys, and the war in Dacia ground on. Trajan seized some fortified mountains and recovered weapons and siege machines captured by the Dacians in the last war, as well as the sacred legionary standard that had been lost under Domitian's defeated general, Cornelius Fuscus, some fifteen years before. After the climactic battle at Adamclisi, Decebalus knew that Trajan's advance to the capital of Sarmidzigatusa was clear, and faced the reality that only a truce would spare his kingdom, and buy him more time to rebuild his efforts against Rome. So he reluctantly agreed to surrender his arms, to give back the Roman deserters who had fled to his camp, to demolish his forts, to withdraw from captured lands, and deny any safe harbor to Rome's enemies. After negotiations were finished, Trajan left Decebalus's court at Sarmidzigatusa, left Roman legions to keep a close eye on the Dacians, and returned west to Italy. Arriving in Rome, Trajan celebrated a grand triumph in the streets, and was bestowed the title of Dacicus, the conqueror of Dacia. But all the while, as three years passed by, Decebalus was planning and building. He roused new armies, repaired his strongholds, re-established ties with other enemies of Rome, and even annexed a new land to his kingdom. These reports did not escape the Roman Senate, and the truce was voided. Decebalus once again declared an enemy. The Emperor Trajan, now the conqueror of Dacia, marshaled the legions, ready to lead the Second Dacian War himself, and again marched east into the steep mountains and dense forests of Europe. Unwilling to face the might of Rome head-on, numerous Dacians were switching their allegiance to Trajan, and there was no treaty for Decebalus to strike this time. And so the Dacian king openly gathered troops and rallied the surrounding nations to his cause, declaring that if they abandoned this effort, their doom to be subjugated by the Roman Empire would be guaranteed. It was better to resist together than to divide and be destroyed. But for all the allies he had left, and the ferocity of his Dacian warriors, the war was soon turning against Decebalus. Unable to defeat Trajan on the battlefield, he turned to deception, and almost ensured the emperor's death. He sent into neighboring Moesia 
some deserters from his army to see if they could get close to Trajan in his own camp, as he was known for being accessible to anyone who sought an audience with him. But these spies were not able to carry out the plan, since one of them aroused suspicion and was arrested, and under torture revealed the entire plot. After this attempt had failed, Decebalus then sent an invitation to Gnaeus Pompeius Longinus, a general of the Roman army whom Decebalus knew well from battles past. Decebalus persuaded him to a meeting, on the pretext that he was ready to discuss the terms of surrender. But the wily king seized Longinus and interrogated him about Trajan's plans. A tough old soldier, Longinus refused to talk, and so Decebalus brought the prisoner along with him in his retinue under constant guard. He sent an envoy to Trajan, demanding that, in return for Longinus's safe return, his kingdom would receive back the territory he had won as far as the Ister River, and be compensated for all the money he had spent on the war against Rome. Trajan received the demand, and replied with an ambiguous answer engineered to buy more time, intending to convey neither that Longinus's life was especially important to the Romans, nor that they didn't value his safe return, so that Decebalus had no choice but to keep the general alive as negotiations continued. So the Dacian king delayed, still considering what he should do. But in the meantime, the imprisoned Longinus managed to procure some poison and drank it one night, to spare the dishonor of being used as a tool in the enemy's bargaining. A furious Decebalus tried to extract concessions from Trajan for the promise of sending Longinus's body, but the Roman emperor was past the point of making an agreement, deeming the dignity of the empire more important than the proper burial of the fallen general. A shrewd tactician, Trajan planned a new route to overtake Decebalus's stronghold at Sarmidzigatusa. But this new plan had a significant barrier, the vast river Ister, known today as the Danube. Trajan's soldiers built a massive stone bridge over the Ister, whose construction would one day be declared by the Roman historian Cassius Dio as a feat surpassing even the emperor's other brilliant achievements. As Dio described it, the towering marvel comprised 20 piers of squared stone 150 feet high above the foundations and 60 feet wide, and those piers, standing at a distance of 170 feet from one another, were connected by vaulting arches. The Great Ister Bridge paved the way for Trajan and his forces to vanquish the Dacians. The last battle was fought with discretion instead of haste, but after much struggle and bloodshed, the Romans were victorious. When the Dacian king Decebalus realized his capital and territories had all been overtaken, he chose to end his life 
instead of being captured and killed by his enemies. In a last act of vengeance, the Romans decapitated Decebalus's corpse. And so it was that Dacia was conquered by the Romans and became a new colony of the empire, a province which later generations, centuries on, would rename in recognition of their Roman heritage, the land of Romania. Despite Decebalus's best attempts, his great treasure hoard of gold, silver, and fine goods were discovered hidden beneath the river Sargetia, whose path ran adjacent to his palace. He had commanded his enslaved captives to painstakingly carve out the riverbed and hide his precious metals, before executing them to a man to ensure they took his secrets to their graves. Even more than the vast quantities of gold and silver, the most valuable treasure the Romans took back with them was the very head of Decebalus, which they ceremonially threw down the bloody Gimonian steps as the ultimate sign of their conquest over the mighty Dacians and their warrior king.